Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week, we're going to talk about tournament prep, but we're going to do it through the lens of GP Atlanta. Yeah, we got a GP Atlanta coming up this weekend, and I know I don't know a ton about Legacy the format in general, even though I do enjoy it, um, play it whenever I can. So prepping for this tournament was a little bit different than what we normally do. And even you, who is kind of a legacy expert, don't spend a ton of time with the format. We can, we can put kind of in bold and expert in quotes. We can. Well, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. put it in quotes. You did, you did. Yeah, finger quotes. <laughs> yes. I know our, our last event we weren't super happy with. Yeah. And so as opposed to throwing together sideboard guides together the night before after FNM. Yeah. <laughs> um, we wanted to kind of spend a little more time prepping. We wanted to let you in on kind of like this as an idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll report ne- back next week and tell you how it went. Well, that's not always the best judge of an idea either, though. I this really like your idea for prepping for this event, and that's kind of why I wanted to make sure that we threw it out there and shared it with everybody. Because okay. The way that you set this up, and I helped you a little bit, but this was basically your baby, is really interesting and gives you like a whole different look at the format. Yeah. So, first of all, as usual, reach out to us. Give us some ideas before we get too far into into yeah. the sweet idea we had. <laughs> so you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can email us at show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com, or you can find us on YouTube at Casual Tryhard MTG. Busy times coming up. Yeah. Uh, GP Atlanta's is coming weekend. So, like, we're leaving at, like, noon, 1 o'clock-ish on Friday. Yep. And hopefully coming back at, like, midnight or 1 a.m. on Sunday with a big novelty check. Hopefully. That'd be fantastic. Hopefully both of us do. Just two big novelty (laughs) checks, yes. Uh, And then, like... Sorry, Bowman, you have to stay back. The check has to get get a seatbelt. Hey, Jacob, too. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) A seat for each of them, and they have to, like, take an Uber back. There we go. And then uh, Monday, like, when we get back, we've got to record the Eldraine vid, right? Or is that the week after? No, yeah, that's the week we get back. Yeah, and uh, I have 105 exams to grade. Yeah. Woo! Yep. And then uh, also that week, at some point, we got to find time to build a sealed pool. Yeah. And then there's Ooh. pre-release. And then there's pre-release. And then Thursday, I my wife leaves town, and I have to sneak away from work as early as possible to jam as many seals yeah. on uh, of the new format as possible before uh, pre-release starts. Yeah. And then uh, we've got some sort of brawl content that we have to give you as well. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear. We didn't get any feedback about yeah, that. Yeah, so you're going to see uh, a lot of us, yeah. both see and hear a lot of us, <laughs> so... Let us know, kind of point us in the directions and tell us what you want to want to see in here. Yeah, whether you want it to be just straight like upgrades or whether you want us to kind of talk about what the decks are doing or whether you want gameplay, which is something that we really haven't done yet. Yeah. Just let us know what you want. Yeah, I mean, we could even, like we did gameplay, like we could like direct challenge each other. Oh, that's true. We could do that. that way. Like we could come over here and sit together. Yeah, that's not a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, look at that. I'm full of ideas that I don't technologically know how to make happen, <laughs> but I'm full of ideas. Okay. So we're going to talk about how we decided to prep for GP Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I think while this is going to be a little legacy specific, I don't think we're going to get too far in like to the, to the weeds, right. more of the mechanics of it. But like, I think this is maybe something that could be done for any tournament. And this is the first time I've done anything like this. Yeah. Um, some of it, I don't know that you have to do. Like if you play a lot of standard, you probably don't have to go as deep as we did for standard because it's something you're already 
at least with? cursory familiar with. For modern, this definitely applies. There's a lot of oddball decks in modern, so you could definitely do this for modern. And obviously for legacy. Probably not so much for like a limited format, though. I don't think yeah. this will work out so well. Yeah, I think that's a different kind of Yeah, like, different kind prep. of prep. Basically, if we're lucky, there's one legacy event that fires a month around us. If we're lucky, yeah. If we're lucky, and then we have to not record the podcast that right. day because it's on Monday. Unfortunately, Legacy Night's Monday, so. Right. You know, I think I've played Legacy two or three times in the last, like, six months, if that. Yeah. Um, this will be my first larger-than-store-level Legacy event. I've never played anything more than, like, eight players at the store. Okay. I've probably played, like, eight to yeah. ten. I usually crush uh, GP side events in Legacy. <laughs> I've cashed one, but when they had like you now they have the cla- the classics now. Yeah, the precursor to the classics. Mm-hmm. I cashed one of those. It was like a hundred and twenty people mm-hmm. or something, and I made poor Anthony stay till some ungodly hour in Baltimore, so I could be like tied for twenty fourth, but thirty sixth on breakers. Oh man! And like a hundred and something person legacy event. I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like I was, all- <laughs> I missed cash just like barely. Yeah. I was just like, oh, man, now we're not going to get home till 4 o'clock in the morning, and I have nothing but, like, sadness to show for it. Well, you had that sweet story we just shared. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. And me almost, like, falling asleep in the car multiple times. Yeah, let's not do that. It was great. All right, so I've played a reasonable amount of Legacy. Yeah. But... Not a ton lately. Not a ton lately, and the format is just almost completely and totally different. Like, oh, yeah. It's way different now than it was. Modern Horizons plus, like... The last couple of sets have had some yeah. goodies for Legacy, too. Yeah, like War of the Spark, yeah. Modern Horizons, and even M20 has kind of mm-hmm. put some cards into the format that uh, have really changed what people are doing. Yep. And so we're not going to get to play enough matches to be like, oh, hey, like we 100% know all the matchups now. Yeah. So what I decided what we could try to do is that MTG Goldfish mm-hmm. has their metagame, mm-hmm. and that's kind of built from magic online results Mm -hmm. and um well it's anybody that reports them really so it's classics opens gps um league 5-0 league results sometimes there's like random stores that'll throw data in there iqs are in there uh basically anybody that reports to them they'll show it yeah so there's a there's a big pool Mm -hmm. and they build their metagame yep and they basically they they probably have the top like 20 to 30 archetypes maybe more they probably have more than that it's just whatever anybody gets like updated whenever anybody submits their tournament results it goes into the database and now some of it gets kind of wonky because somebody has to go in and catalog it and say this deck is this archetype this deck is this archetype so sometimes the lines can get kind of blurry as to like what's what and there's a random typo of like death amp tax Yeah. Instead of death and taxes. So there's a bunch of decks there, and it gives you some sense of the metagame. Mm-hmm. And this may or may not reflect the paper metagame exactly, right. but it gives you an idea of what's getting played. Mm-hmm. And so what I thought would be interesting would be to take that metagame profile mm-hmm. and basically figure out what all the decks actually look like. Right. Kind of be able to look at a list kind of identify what their plan is mm-hmm. based on the list. And then we're playing a similar deck. We're not quite the same 75, well, but... I think they're pretty close. Pretty I, put, close. I put together... I just changed it to your list last night, so okay. they should be pretty close. We're playing kind of a an aggro combo deck. Yeah. Yep. And so identifying 
what cards we need to care about in game one, mm-hmm. identifying what cards we think the opponent's going to bring in. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're to the point where we can say definitively what's going to come out, right. but we can say like what's going to come in yeah, and then what cards we need to bring in and take out mm-hmm. so that we can make uh, sideboard plans, make sideboard plans yep. and like kind of know what our role is going to be or kind of in each matchup. Yeah. What, what our game plan is going to be Yeah, to, uh, to expand on that for just a, just a second. Um, you mentioned something that was kind of important. Usually when people are testing, they're testing for sideboard plans and for game twos. You also mentioned that you wanted to get an idea of what to look out for out of decks for game one. Yeah. Part of that is what we had talked about the last time we did a legacy episode. We told you guys that we have a kind of a legacy gauntlet at the shop that are proxy decks that they lend out whenever the legacy events trying to fire. So we've sat down twice now with those that legacy gauntlet and gone through and just played both sides of matchups, just trying to get a feel for what a good chunk of the format's trying to do. Yeah. And what that's going to do is not only help us know what to look out for in game one, but it's also going to let us know like how to identify each deck like yeah. based off like their turn one play. So yeah, you can so you, put somebody on a deck. So you can know what you need to do. Right. And that's playing mm-hmm. depths, mm-hmm. Uh, green, black depths, but we're, we're having a little bit of the Hogak plan. Yep. We're not full on it. It's just like Seder Wayfinders and then a couple Hogaks mm-hmm. to give like a plan B. Right. And to, on some level, tax removal mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, Seder Wayfinders like almost borderline playable in a deck anyway because it finds like all of the pieces you're looking for. Yeah. So it's not really a stretch to include that. And the Hogaks, once you've kind of talked yourself into Seder Wayfinder, the Hogaks only take up two more slots. So Yeah, we have the, the A plan of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we have the the B plan of 8-8 Trampler. And there are some decks that game one can't do anything about that. And right. if you identify like, oh, I'm playing against Blue-Red Delver, mm-hmm. I have to play around like exactly one Vapor Snag. Right. Okay, I can just jam. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's really trivial to make a 20-20 and cast a Hogak. Like use Merit Lage to, yeah. to cast your Hogak. And you're just like, all right, like yeah. you've got to deal with both of these and you have one Vapor Snag in your deck. Yep. All right, cool. So we wanted to be able to look at, know what we were going to do game one mm-hmm. and what they were going to try to do against us or just do in general, cyborg plan. And we have some notes about like things to look out for in the matchup just in general. Yeah. One of the other tools that we used was uh, MTG Top 8. Yes. Which is another um, results website, kind of like what Goldfish does, but they kind of take it a step further and they'll let you like compare lists to each other. Yeah, so you can set like a time frame mm-hmm. of decks you want to like look at for your metagame. And then you also can like you click on a deck mm-hmm. and it will show you every entry. Right. And then you can just hit compare. Yep. And what it will do is it will take every list and just populate a table. And you can compare every line for like every card inclusion. But what they do is they end up with one column that is the average. Right. Of all the cards in all those decks. So what we did is we went through and we built an aggregate deck. Yep. Now, there are some times where, like, you kind of have to go, like, yeah, this says one, mm-hmm. but the person either is playing four of them or, or they're playing zero. So, like, yeah. accumulated knowledge yeah. is a card that you play four of or you play zero of. Yeah. And, like, the aggregate deck list had one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, no, no, it's yeah, four or right. zero. Yeah. Yeah. But... 
it lets you see basically what all these once you've identified someone on a certain deck kind of what the range of cards you can like reasonably expect you can to reasonably see. expect to see yeah and now like you can't account for like oddball one ofs right but you can know that okay some people have an oddball one of of fill in the blank card yeah, whatever can i play around this mm-hmm. or do i need to yeah so we started with goldfish to get the metagame yep because i think their metagame just kind of is a little more organized yeah than... it's a little bit easier to read than uh mtg top eights was yeah and so we would go through go from there go find the list mm-hmm. and then do the comparison and then we build out exactly what the aggregate deck would be mm-hmm. and then the cyborg and the cyborg you could usually get like eight to 12 cards mm-hmm. that are like in all the sideboards right and, and then the last balls. couple or whatever right and so now you know okay this is what they are are working with mm-hmm. for the most part because i know a lot of times when i would make like a cyborg guide i would leave like our little cyborg guide yeah. sheet that you can find uh online yep has like a spot for what they're going to take out mm-hmm. for and what they're going to bring in and then a spot for what you're going to take and what you're going to bring in i often just end up leaving the their section blank. blank yeah that's a lot more work to figure that out right but we've on some degree we've already put in the work to figure that out mm-hmm. maybe not what they're going to take out but again what they're going to bring in yeah and that that really means a lot more than what they're going to take out what they're going to take out you it's, probably weren't worried about anyway bad so, stuff. yeah so it makes sense yeah so we have now 14 or 15 decks worth of it's a, it's a pretty good sized document yeah worth of basically deck lists what we think is going to happen in game one yep. and what we think is going to happen post board mm-hmm. so then we have then what our sideboard plan is going to be and there are a few spots where i'm like okay in this matchup i wish i had this card yeah right it's more of a we have a week Mm -hmm. can we think about like do we want to make a change to get this card in yeah because liliana the last hope is a card that i think could come in in like three or four Mm matchups it would definitely help in death and taxes yes is there a spot for for me to find yeah to put liliana in yep right or man i wish i had an assassin's trophy in these Mm matchups is it worth going on a split of assassin's trophies and abrupt decays. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we have time to make those decisions as opposed to Friday night after F and M hastily throwing together, like some idea of a sideboard guy. Yeah. Right. Like looking at one deck on goldfish and being like, okay, that's what this one person did. I hope you speak for the world because, <laughs> cause you're it. So for the most part, when we did the MTG top eight, Mm -hmm. we were looking at like the aggregate of anywhere from usually like 15 to 25 decks. Yeah, it was a lot. Right. So like you got a sense of like, what are the cards that are absolutely going to be Mm -hmm. in the deck? If If a card, if it was just four, you're like, oh, everyone plays four. Right. If it's 3.9, it's like, okay, one person couldn't afford their fourth force of will. Okay. This is fine. But you definitely knew, like, you have a, a good sense now. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think it was just looking at what's going to be in the format yeah. the, was um, important. Not only is, like, knowing what decks are you can reasonably expect to see, but 
like just in a little bit that we got to play around with the gauntlet, I got a feel for what good top decks were going to be, what bad top decks were yeah. going to be for my opponents or whatever. But our gauntlet's a little bit out of date. Like the, the lists aren't super current. So it's nice to see what all these flex slots are too. If you know that you're playing against Rug Delver or whatever, and you know that they have three flex slots you know what almost that entire deck list is going to be. Yeah. And those three flex slots could be, you know, this, this, or this. Yeah. It's one thing to have made it. Mm-hmm. And now I think that over the next few days, I'm going to like kind of go it. back over it and, you know, study yeah. some, which, you know, it kind of sucks that your hobby involves like doing homework, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. not awful homework. Though. It's not awful homework, but just going over and again, like, okay, what are the things that matter? Yeah. It's easier if you're playing a linear deck yes to clearly identify what are the cards that matter mm-hmm. right so like if you're playing burn in standard right the cards that matter are cards that block your nerds and cards that gain life and that's it right yep. and so that's all you care about mm-hmm. but if a year ago if you're playing golgari you care about everything right on some level because like you're you know trying to trade one for one get a little advantage Mm -hmm. like you're trying to like grind out little edges so everything matters right but if you're burn or you're mono white right and you're linear it doesn't matter or if you're playing kethis combo Mm -hmm. right like you're trying to assemble a whole lot of moving parts oh yeah but like you're trying to get a b c and maybe d on the battlefield yeah and then you win the game there's not a lot of stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, does this person board in Ashiok? Does this person board in Unmoored Ego? Do I care about Unmoored Ego? Yeah. Right? So stuff like that is what you're trying to figure out what you care about. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing a mid-range deck, like, it's just harder to make that decision. Maybe you're not so much worried about, like, what do I care about? Or, like, how does this game play out? Right. As we talked about before, am I the beatdown? Do I need to be the more controlling person in this matchup? Mm-hmm. And things like that, like you can identify that with this kind of exercise, like, oh, in this matchup, I think I want to be aggressive. Yeah. And, you know, if you have time, then you can hopefully play the matchup and be like, okay, if I'm aggressive, here's how this game plays out. And Mm -hmm. now you're not going to get enough reps in to know for sure. But if you're like, you know what? No, this is how I think I want to play it. I'm happy with how these games have like played out then like you kind of have a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically what the whole thing is for, is to come up with a plan. Yeah, we just want to get to the point where we know like if we see this matchup, these are the things we need to do. Yeah. And at least have an idea, and we have time to think about it now, yeah. and go like, okay, two sets of eyes on it. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe this is. Yeah, I also think that that's the biggest thing here, is that you're never going to get enough reps with a deck like it's just impossible in order to get like a perfect 100 percent understanding of everything the deck is doing with something like this with this tool you can use this tool even when you're not sitting down playing a game like you're going out for a morning run or whatever you can be thinking about you know the list that you made your tool you know drinking your cup of coffee in the morning you don't have anybody to jam a game with you you can sit down and say oh what's the miracles matchup look like i can take a blank version of it like I can just take one of the pages and like pull out mm-hmm. the data and just leave the headers. Okay. And maybe put that up for people to get to. What uh what do you think about just throwing our document out there and letting them look at it just we to could. get a feel for for what we did? That's fine. Yeah. As I scrolled like the page didn't load. So how many pages is this thing? It's like 16 or 17. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So basically, I think we did the top 10 ish 
ish decks and then i kind of cherry picked a Mm -hmm. few that i wanted to have plans against yeah that are a little fringy but on the uptick yeah so like mono white bomberman is like a deck that exists because of karn the great creator and mystic forge and mystic forge yeah right so that's a deck that has got a lot of screen time yeah it's expensive, but I don't know if I would call it prohibitively expensive by legacy standards. Yeah, no, the mana base is pretty cheap. It's just the uh, LEDs that are expensive, Yeah, right? it plays City of Traders. Oh, it does play Cities. Right. Yeah. But it's not, like, you know, ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this might only be 3% of the metagame now, but it might be overrepresented as a deck that you could, like, yeah. reasonably get into. So it's one one and a half to 2% of the metagame. Yeah. So we can reasonably expect to maybe see it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, all right, this is a little fringy, but how do we expect the games to play out? Right. So decks like that, you're not going to change your sideboard for. No. But it's something that you want to come up with a plan for. Yeah. And a week ago, if I asked you, how does Bomberman win, right? I I watched the video like two weeks ago. So a week ago, I would have known how Bomberman wins. (laughs) Yeah. But it it wins through Monastery Mentor a lot of the time. It's kind of a combo deck, but if you board in Plague Engineer yep. and they Monk, you take out their main win condition. Yeah, then they got a Ballista, yeah. Yeah, now they've got to, like, you know, assemble a different combo. Right. You know, maybe you wouldn't have brought in Plague Engineer. Right. Uh, but if, if you, you know that's how they're trying to close a game, then that's something you can lean, lean on. Yeah. So, like, just things like that, little things where you can be like, oh, now I know how this deck wants to win the game. Yeah. And like you said, it's a fringy deck that you don't see all the time, but that has gotten a lot of screen time lately. So, yeah. And another thing is, so I think we're apparently both on Cabal Therapy. We think we talked about this card before when we talked about Legacy, right? Yeah. You have to name a card. Yeah. Right? So if you can identify what someone's on mm-hmm. and know, you know, even if just in the back of your head, like, oh, man, like, what does this deck play that I care about? Yeah. Right and be able to name it. Maybe you get a hit that you wouldn't have got otherwise if if you hadn't taken the time to figure out that oh they only play one of this card I care about, mm-hmm. but they play four of this one, so I should probably name the four of. Right. So things like that where this is going to help you. So like I said, the sections that I kind of had put up, like I said, so cards that matter game one, mm-hmm. what they were going to side in, and we listed the cards that were definitely in the sideboard. Yeah. And then we kind of went through and said, okay, these are other cards that are possible Mm -hmm. if they decide that their plan is to do x and y they're going to bring in these cards be mindful of it and then for our cyborg plan we had what we wanted to bring in and for our card we would say this is specifically for this card or this interaction we would then also lay out in spots like i think this matchup is about this or i think our role should be this Mm -hmm. or all right, we're going to try to jund them out and just like make yeah. them top deck and we're going to top deck 8-8s and ways to make 20-20s and they're going to top deck 1-1s and ways to look for cards. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. And then like these are the cards we want to cut mm-hmm. and sometimes it'd be like specific like, okay, these I want to cut these cards for these reasons or trying to get it to a point where we have a coherent plan. Yeah. And like I said earlier, having two eyes on it is better than one. So yeah. I was coming up with these are the thoughts I have and then, like, I'm not sure about this choice or this choice. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, and, I know I went through and added a whole bunch of notes to yeah. it. And so I'm hoping that Thursday evening we can definitively have pretty much this is what we plan on doing yeah. in these 10 to 12 matchups. Mm-hmm. 
it's a another thing that you kind of touched on briefly that I just want to kind of reinforce is that when you're coming up with your sideboard plan, that's what it is. It's is it's a plan, and that's why I like the notes in here that it say like like what a specific card is for or what you're trying to do in the matchup, because a lot of times that's more important than take these six cards out and put these six cards in. When you're playing the matchup, you kind of get a different feel for like how it's going and you can make make adjustments to your sideboard plan kind of on the fly mm-hmm. whereas if you were just looking at a list that says minus two minus one plus three that's a little bit harder to make adjustments to yeah sometimes sometimes sideboarding is as simple as bringing the card that blows up red and black things right against the red and black deck yeah right but sometimes it's bring in these three creatures, cut these two removal spells on this other creature, and now your deck plays more aggressively. Yeah. So now you've got to change how you're playing in the matchup. Mm-hmm. Or now you play more controlling, so maybe you don't want to attack with your creature, your 2-2 on turn three. You yeah. want to block with it. Right. And if you don't realize that these changes have made you better in the long game, yeah. Right. and you're trying to shade two damage for two damage because you're used to being aggressive, you missed the point of that sideboard change. Correct. So just being able to say, like, I think our role now is X, Mm -hmm. and these cards help us do that thing, it's fine. Yep. Right. Or I think we still try to combo people. These cards, we bring them in to protect the combo. Mm -hmm. And now this is what what we do. Yep. So, yeah, having a plan – and knowing how like that plan is going to change your role is important. I think that each of these pages probably took me half an hour to 45 minutes. And I was like, okay, these are the cards I want to bring in. What is that going to do? Look at what could leave. And it was yeah. just going back and forth and trying to figure out like to build that 60 card deck yeah. for what I wanted to do. You were pretty good at it. It took me a lot longer than 45 minutes a deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's the idea. And I think like this works well for modern, mm-hmm. right? You could easily get like 10 or 12 decks. Absolutely. That you could be like, if I'm going to go to a modern GP or if I'm going to go to like a MCQ an or- MCQ, these are the decks mm-hmm. that I expect to play. And how am I going to approach each of these matchups? Yep. And to an extent, like once you've done some of this work, you won't have to do a chunk of it again. Yeah. Like flex slots always change, but typically the cores of decks don't change. Yeah. Like the Delver decks, you know, they've moved around a lot, but really, like I think we said this before, all the blue decks are, you know, 35 to 40 of the cards are the same. Yeah. And then like the last 20, Mm -hmm. usually, you know, probably there's 12 of those that probably don't change. Yeah. So you're looking at maybe eight slots if it's like a big shakeup to the deck. Right. But realistically like three or four. Yep. It's like, oh, what are, what is the the new hot thing? So like, for example, again, we can't play everything, mm-hmm. right? So you can read content, watch videos mm-hmm. to kind of make up that like gap. Yeah. Right. And so I was looking for a deck list. Mm-hmm. And just randomly stumbled upon someone's Twitter account that had a uh, a tweet of someone in a, uh, a a Dark Depths Discord. Okay. That they had like laid out like all the changes to the format that were impacting Dark Depths and why Dark Depths was going to have problems this weekend wow. in Star City. Okay. Right, and it was like, oh, 
the Delver decks can't beat us. Yeah. So now they're like putting crop crop rotations and Caracas's in their deck. Yeah. So like that was not something like that was even on my radar. Right. Before I read that. And it was like, oh, like me just looking for information for a deck list Mm -hmm. got me to this like random like piece of information with like, here's a photo of my Thoughtseize showing three crop rotations against my team or opponent. Yeah, that's a pretty crucial piece of information too. Right. Yeah, so you're like, oh, okay, so this is something. So if I'm going to bring in Pithing Needle, it's not just for Wasteland. Right. I have to keep in the back of my mind that maybe they Caracas me. So now that's something you have to like worry about. Mm-hmm. And like when you watch a video, you can watch like a, a video that's not the deck you're going to play. Like you're never going to find like seven videos on your exact deck. Right. The week before your tournament. It's going to be like up to date with like mm-hmm. everything that's happening now. Unless you're playing Jun, because right now Reed Duke is jamming Jun videos. Yes. <laughs> He's put like a video out every week for the last month. Yeah, didn't he miss the Hall of Fame announcement because he was recording a Jun video? He did. You yes. know how he how he ended up in the uh, the league that he recorded for this Jun video? Five oh? Two and three. Two and three? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. He he missed his Hall of Fame announcement to go two and three in a moto league. Oh. <laughs> but he was playing Jun. He, he was, was playing, playing Tarmogoyfs and yeah. Dark Confidence. So he was maybe not Dark Confidence, but he was happy. Yeah. But like you can watch a video. And, of course, you're watching the, the side of the person recording it. Yeah. Right? And watching whatever deck they're playing. But mm-hmm. you also need to watch, you know, the other side. Yeah. And be like, oh, I didn't know that deck did that. Mm-hmm. Or what would I want to draw here if they had this? Like, what would I want to be trying to do in this spot to try yep. to win the game? Yep. Right? So you can, like, watch the video not just from the side of Andrea Mangucci and his video, right? And him playing some deck like you're never going to play. Right. But you can also like watch the other side and be like, oh, I didn't know that Delver played that. Right. Or, oh, that's how Blue Black Death Shadow operates Mm -hmm. and things like that that you might not have seen otherwise. Yeah. Like how much content out there is there for Enchantress? Like almost none, right? Almost none. So... If you're watching the latest Legacy video, you know, if he plays against Enchantress, you're going to be like, oh, okay, you got to watch out for Elephant Grass. This yeah. is what they do with all their wild growths. Like, yeah, you, you can like, you get an learn idea of what the deck does. What they're trying to do. I've actually made a Merit Lage on turn two against my uh, Enchantress opponent and just looked at him and said, please, no Elephant Grass. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I don't have any in the main. I was like, all right, cool. Okay. I kill you now. Right, cool. <laughs> I was like, please, no elephant grass. Like, we, we both know what this is about. <laughs> it's about you drawing a random visions enchantment with a cumulative upkeep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just knowing, like, oh, this is something I have to worry about. Or, like, yeah. oh, this is how elves works. Mm-hmm. Right? If you watch, like, an elves video, you're like, oh, I didn't know this is how elves worked. Yeah. Now, if you watch the recent Mangucci <laughs> elves video, that's not how elves work. No, that is not how elves works. Yeah. He cut some pretty key components to make that work. The guy went 5-0 with it, though. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, you can watch the videos from and think about what you would want to do in that seat with your deck yeah. or just learn how, like, another deck works. Mm-hmm. Vince, better known as Pleasant Kenobi on the internet, played mono ley lines. Yeah. And deck was god-awful. But you watch it, and you can be like, oh, I see his opponent's playing a real functional deck. Yeah. Oh, so that's how that works. So, like, just taking time to, like, watch it critically and think about, like, what you would want 
to do or like, okay, if they had these things, how do I win from this spot? Right. Now, granted, you don't have your board, but you can think about yeah. like, what are the ways that I can win? What are the things I need to see and have on my board? To yeah. Make this what work? would you like to top deck? Yeah, exactly. And so that just gives you like an hour long video. Mm-hmm. They play five matches on Magic Online. Yep. If you were to play that at the local store, that's five hours. At least. And to see like five matches in an hour. Yep is helpful. Yep. A plus good time. Yeah. So this is definitely something that I think modern and legacy can benefit from. Mm-hmm. I think standard, it's a lot shorter. Yeah. Right. You end up probably doing like four or five decks. Well, also like standards, a little bit different story too, because especially our listeners, all of you have probably spent at least some time on arena. Yes. In which case, you know what standards about. Yes. Because you listen to us and because you play on Arena. It's not like a format that you might only play a couple times a year. Yeah, but I so. think it's also beneficial to, if you're going to go to that tournament that's important to you, oh, kind of yeah. like whatever level, yeah. to be like, you know what, I want to take an afternoon and really think about mm-hmm. what I want to do. No, absolutely. Right. I, we have the story from years ago now, Mardu vehicles. When we like slowly came to the realization that like, Oh, this sideboard plane we saw where they're bringing in like fumigates and yeah. just wrathing the board and their creature deck over and over again made a lot of sense. And we went from like, this is an awful idea to let's play one. So we ended up on three. Yeah. Right. And just like, thinking about it and getting to play the matchup and having three or four days to think about it, we weren't going to do that sideboard plan. I know Anthony won games. Yeah, just because of it. He fumigated green-black three times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, (laughs) are are we doing – they board that – his opponent was like, do they board that in? It's like, indeed, they do. Let's fumigate you again. (laughs) I don't know if they do, but we do. We do. (laughs) And it worked. Yeah. Right? But we wouldn't have, like – gotten there like i think it was probably like two or three days of like this seems dumb yeah well maybe it's not so bad after all right and if you give yourself the time to do that Mm -hmm. that's important like maybe we would have come up with a different hogak cyborg plan yeah if we would have like had the time to like had the like cute like transformational cyborg but i think we tested it exactly like three times and decided against it yeah like we got exactly like three air quotes data points yeah or like well (laughs) That seems a little too far out there. No one else is doing it, so yeah. let's not do it. Where maybe if we, you had like a week to talk yourself into it after you spent $30 on like <laughs> M20 and M12 Mythics, yeah. you'd be like, you know what? No, like I think this is good and here's why and I'm willing to do it. Mm-hmm. But like only having like a day, yeah. just being like, you know what? No. Because I, I think I, that FNM, I showed up with the transformational cyborg and went home and yeah. was like, well, I never got to do that. So <laughs> let's uh, cut that. Yeah. It's just good a good way to think and make yourself think about what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Hopefully this all pays off and novelty checks and That'd be people fantastic. are Ubering home. Yep. Uh, <laughs> right. So we're going to get into some arena stuff. And the first is Wizards has rethought Historic. Yeah, they kind of walked back part of the announcement and changed another part. They heard our feedback about the uh, two-to-one wild card ratio. Specifically, yes. Mark Rosewater downloads our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they went back to the one-to-one rate. So yes. your Historic cards are only going to cost you one wild card instead of two. Yes. That's good. They did make a change to another part, though. And they said that historic events, they are going to give us a competitive queue and a ranked queue. And historic games are going to count towards your goals. So your 
cast 20 red or black spells, attack with 20 creatures, whatever. They'll count for that, but they're not going to count for your daily wins. Yes. Right, that's the easiest way for you to earn cards is just get your daily wins and get your yeah. gold and stuff. Yeah. And if you... You're going to jam a bunch of historic right? and you want new cards. You have to put money into the system at that point because yep. they're not going to give you any gold and they're not going to give you any packs for like your weekly 15 wins. Yeah. So they're trying to keep people from just settling in and being like, I'm a historic player. Right. And just playing historic over and over and over again. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I understand they have to find the balance where they still make money. Yep. But making it so you don't get the gold for the daily wins and making you like have to switch into standard to make that happen. Hopefully like fixes yeah. like, answers their dilemma and like lets people play historic if they just want to like put 20 bucks in and like get a couple packs and get some wild cards and then get the four cards they want or whatever. Yeah. So we'll so. see. And then the other thing uh, that happened on arena is uh, the standard 2020 event. Mm-hmm. I did not play really any ranked constructed i didn't either at all like i just played this standard 2020 event yep so there's no no data for the uh for standard that i i didn't even look i assumed you all guys were all playing standard 2020 uh i give you some data you gave me some data for uh standard 2020 standard 2020 yep you had seen kind of a mix of decks and they were like somewhat similar to what i saw so you had you yeah, were what we were, were kind of talking about it too, like as I was texting you or whatever while yeah. I was playing too. Um, I played Team Elementals, yes, almost the entire time. Um, the first night I farted around a little bit with Cavalcade and with um, like the Rakdos Sacrifice deck. Yeah, neither one of them felt good. Um, so I played Elementals and was on that the whole rest of the time. Um, and Elementals felt fine to me. Yeah, I tried to play like an aggro version of Elementals with like creeping whatever his name is oh yeah and that deck just felt god awful no that this one felt good i ended up playing four of the fire cats the okay. ember cats um and i forget what else i put in there but it was pretty straightforward just added yeah. some elementals i tried to play the cavalcade deck so the cavalcade of calamities deck is just every garbage one mana one one yep. in red and then uh ashandra's uh fire whatever the Chandra's Spitfire? Yeah, Chandra's Spitfire. Right. So that when you attack, you pump that up and then you kill them. Yep. I lost some games on turn four mm-hmm. to just that. But a lot of times it felt like if you got a blocker for it or you stabilized it all, the game just kind of ended because they weren't able to like yeah. like push through a lot of times. I tried to play that deck mm-hmm. and like I kind of looked, but I didn't look super hard for lists. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I had like one or two too, too many lands, Oh. but it just felt like I had like, I was playing like 20 or 21 lands. Maybe I should have been playing like 18. Yeah. That's probably too many. And M- maybe you found a paper deck. Maybe. And it just seemed like, well, I didn't look for a list. I just kind of like threw it together and oh, maybe I like you. I have the like yeah. issue of still like, I don't want to play 18 lands yeah. in standard, but it just felt like I would flood out and then there was like nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, well, my top four cards of my deck weren't good. I guess I lose now. Yeah. Like, oh, you played a blocker. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I tried that, and then I settled into, um, for the most part, like a blue-green ramp deck mm-hmm. where I th- I tweeted out my original list. I made yeah. a couple little changes, but I was just like um, ramping into giant things. I think 
I made a small change where I started playing uh, Orboreal Grazer. I don't know if I had it in that list as a way to block stupid creature cavalcade creatures. Yeah. Uh, But I noticed as the week went on, I felt like the cavalcade deck just kind of fell off. Yeah, it disappeared a little bit for sure. I feel like the format adjusted. Like this was like just a like study in a metagame. Yeah. Right? Like at the beginning, no one knew what they were doing. So cavalcade was good for like two days. Mm Mm-hmm. And then as it went on, like it seemed like I started seeing a lot of Field of the Dead. Yeah, I really Golos, didn't see many many Field of the Dead decks. Like Field of the Dead, Golos, and then like they were playing uh, Deafening Clarion and mm. Gates of Blaze, and so there were just all these like sweepers around for all your like little like red Nerds. idiots, and right, you know, you get like six for one. Yeah, and your Cavalcade of Calamities now does nothing right and then you you die terribly Mm -hmm. and so like i think that deck just slowly got pushed out as people figured out that they had to like have some early interaction yeah that's kind of crazy that uh we had a metagame evolution in a week for a format that doesn't exist yeah it was (laughs) i mean i did i did the same thing i was like well i should probably play like orboreal grazer so i can block some of this stuff because like if it ramps me and i can like play a thorn elemental I just win the game. Right. So I just need to like not die before turn like three or four. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like how can I not die? Yeah. That does that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it just, it was interesting that like things fell off. Mm-hmm. I will say that with the cards they're printing uh, for Throne of Eldraine and the fact that it feels like because we're not getting a, a dual land cycle. Right. That they are really pushing us to play monocolor decks. decks. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been spoiled with 12 playable dual lands. Yeah, we've had great mana for a long time in standard. And going down to the shock lands plus half the temples. Yeah. Well, I think I made the comment to the to you a couple of days ago about how many guild gates I've seen in the standard twenty twenty. Oh my gosh, event. so many, so many guild gates, or like dismal backwaters, like yeah. the gain life lands. Like there, people are just scrounging for ways to like cast their spells. Yeah, and they they just started spoiling a color, color, color rare cycle. Yep. So like they have those cards plus the adamant mechanic is saying, hey, play a whole bunch of the same yeah. color, and you know. If you're like, I want to play Red Black Sacrifice, well, you're playing Blood Crypt and a pile of mountains and swamps. Yeah. Right? You're and definitely like, not playing tap lands. Yeah. Like, and if you draw, like, swamp, 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 right, you're not casting any of your red spells. Like, no. you're, all your, like, powerful red, black, gold cards just rot in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, I have this uh, Dreadhorde Butcher that I'm never going to cast or I'm going to cast a 1-1 haster on turn 4 when I finally draw a mountain. Yeah, you can't even cast a light up the stage to try and find some black or some yeah. red mana. Right, or if you're like mountain, mountain, mountain and you, again, yeah. you don't get to cast your gold cards and it just ends up being like awkward. Yep. Because I had a few times where like even like blue-green which has, you know, a temple and a shock land yeah. playing against like uh, Simic Flash which was a deck that was floating around yeah smoke flash actually seemed pretty good yeah they had like island 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 breeding point it's like oh you can't cast for old mystic or Sweet. night pack ambusher yeah right like you have no way to win the game because you didn't draw your second green source right and before that deck had 
probably 16 or 18 green sources and 16 yeah. or 18 blue sources. And now it has like less than that. Yeah. It might only have like 14 of each or 13 of each. So mm-hmm. you've really cut down the number of colored sources you have. And it's way more likely that you're going to like miss a color. Yeah. And with only tap lands, like it is difficult, like feather, Right. Feather had a ton of red and white sources and I lost a game because I couldn't like cast my feather and hold up a, a God's willing yeah. because I drew like plains, plains, mountain, mountain. Yeah. And it's like, well, some of those like mountains would have been cliff drop retreats. Right. And I probably would have been able to cast this, but I don't have that option anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man is definitely worse. They did say we're not going to get dual lands in this set. Yes. But they didn't say what the lands are going to be. And Rosewater has been cryptic in the past on a lot of different issues. So we'll see what we're not getting dual lands actually means. Because he did say that there is a rare land cycle. Yes. They're just not dual lands. I mean, there is the uncommon night land. Yeah. The taps for like Mardu. Maybe we're getting tri lands. Maybe we're getting some other sort of fetch land. I don't know. Yeah, like tri lands with a, like a drawback. Yeah. God, if we got fetch lands, like people would lose their minds. Well, they're not going to give us actual fetch yeah. lands, but like fetch land adjacent. Yeah, it's something where it, you can fix your your two yeah. color mana base because on some level, like there's the new red card, like was it Bone Crusher? The giant, giant, yeah, right. Which is a four three for two and a blue. No, a four three for two and a red. There yeah. we go. Two and a red. There you two go. Two and a red. Red and blue are different. And when it gets targeted by a spell, it deals two. Right. And then it also has an adventure of one in a red, deal two to any target. Yeah. Right? Cards are good. Great. That card is friends with Gruel Spellbreaker. Oh, yeah. But red-green mana is so bad, yeah. they can't coexist. <laughs> no. You can't have, like, one red-green and two in a red in the same deck because right. you just aren't going to have enough sources to play them and you're not going to like play gruel Guildgate, and no. you're like absolutely not i want to play pelt collector into like growth chamber guardian into yeah. big dumb red idiot yeah right like you can't play gruel Guildgate. you just like oh i didn't get to play my big dumb <laughs> idiot now i lose the game yeah or like ooh, i drew my land tap land go yay yay so I think it's going to be a, a big change. Is like yeah. It's going to make a lot of the gold cards from uh, Ravnica. Ravnica a lot harder to play. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's it. Like, Were there any other decks that like popped up? The uh, the Simic Flash deck seemed yes. pretty good. Yes, yeah, I still had multiple games where I resolved yeah. zero spells. Yeah. I was like, oh, like I just put spells on the stack to have them countered one for one. I was just like, yeah. oh, my God. Like I said, I, I played Elementals and thought the deck felt good. You played Ramp and... F- Thought the deck thought, felt good. Yeah, I thought it was good. I played like two versions. I played like kind of a crappy, poorly built Golos Gates version, and yeah. it kind of didn't matter sometimes. Pro tip: uh, play one uh, Jace uh, Mysteries guy, whatever the yeah. one blue, blue, blue guy. Yeah. Because sometimes you just deck yourself. <laughs> Same with like Cavalcade uh, uh, Cavalier Thorns. Yeah. Like with a Jace. Oh, I've definitely decked myself with elementals before. Yeah. Like just one, I've won a couple games off just one Jace, and I've lost a couple yeah. games to just like last card in their hand is Jace, kill me. Yeah, Boris Feather, I played that for a while. Mm. I don't know if it was just this particular with how this meta game ended up with like a bunch of ramp stuff, 
but it was hard to dead people quickly. Yeah, and also you said the mana wasn't great. So and The mana's not great, and like uh, Reckless Rage not being there yeah. is like really noticeable. Yeah. Right? There's just times where like, oh, like I guess I can never kill this their own their dread horde uh, yeah. arcanist. Like no, nope, that can never that can never die. I yeah. have like no way to kill that. Cool. Yeah. The the Naya feather decks like the mana's not good enough now. Like, no, yeah, like, no, that mana is awful. Like there's like really no way. Yeah. So uh, I saw some Esper control decks. I think the Esper mana base is fine. Ish. No, I mean, it's the Esper list that I saw were playing tap lands, but in yeah. a control deck, you can afford to play a certain number of tap lands. Yeah, you have two shocks in one temple. Yeah. Is that right? Two shocks in a temple? Yes. Three shocks. Yeah, three shocks in a Three temple. shocks in a temple. So it's fine. Yeah. You can play like 16 duels and probably have enough sources. Mm-hmm. You're probably like blue-black or like blue-white splashing yeah. some stuff. I think this is like where we are right now is just like probably playing the standard 2020 stuff. Mm-hmm. The standard 2020 is going to roll right through uh, Throne of Eldraine, right? I think. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. So like to the 26th or whatever. Yeah. And like on the 26th, Throne should be out. Yeah. At least on Arena. Yeah. So like trust trying to find some other stuff. I did play against like an interesting like blue-black self-mill deck with Sir Conrad. Yeah. I was playing. Oh, I also played some Grixis Reanimator. Okay. Um, yeah, that's about the right response. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Because uh, there are many times where it's like, how have I gone through a third of my deck and not found a single reanimation target? <laughs> and I have six of them, and I found all my reanimation spells. Or how do I have all of my targets into my reanimation spells? Yeah. This makes zero sense. Well, we'll see if that changes with Throne. There are a few cards that are definitely pushing, like a blue black self mill yeah. or like mill strategy. There's some like a couple random cards that are like, I care about how many cards are in your opponent's graveyard. Yeah. That's weird. Put on like design design detective hat here. Some of these cards feel like super like arena digital focused. Yeah. I can't think of a time where we've ever had cards where it's like count how many cards are in your opponent's graveyard. Yeah. To tell you if your card does something. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one. Right? Like, we had Delirium where you had to count cards in your graveyard. Yeah. And I guess Tarmogoyf counts cards in, like, in both. both. But it also came from, like, the most oddball set of oddball sets. Oh, yeah. Right? And now you have this counters a spell if it's converted mana cost is less than the number of cards in your opponent's Yeah, that's really bizarre. Graveyard. And it's like... I'm going to hemorrhage information. How many cards are in your graveyard? Exactly. Yeah. Spell on the stack. Please tell me how many cards are in your <laughs> graveyard. Not enough. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Resolves. Yeah. This this has a converted mana cost of three, and I have no cards in my graveyard, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, so it's just really weird. It's really yeah. weird that we have these cards that are, like, counting cards in your graveyard, in your opponent's graveyard. Yeah. and like strange. I, I can't attack unless your opponent has seven cards in his graveyard. Do you think that's uh, foreshadowing for Theros? Maybe. Like... I mean, it also kind of works with the Demir mechanics. Yeah, kind of. Right, like like the self mill aspect. Self, yeah, that was self mill. Right, I, I meant like the card, like counting cards in graveyards. That might be maybe. like a, you know, looking into the future for Theros since it's a like an underworld themed. Yeah, set. it could it could be that like all these monocolored cards in this mechanic are setting up devotion and a Theros mechanic. Yeah, I guess we've not had a huge amount of experience with like these 
single sets. Yeah. Where, like, where you didn't have a, an accompanying block. I got an accompanying block where you can like see the mechanics kind of work out. Yeah. And I feel like the Ravnica sets were much more like self-contained. Yeah. Like I do these five color pairs. Mm-hmm. I do these five color pairs. I do planeswalkers and break formats. <laughs> right. And this almost feels like it's like, we're going to do this stuff, but we're also trying to set up yeah. this next set. What's coming because next? the next set might need a lot more setup and support to actually like do its thing, do its thing. So we've got to start it a set earlier. Yeah. So could very well be. Yep. So with that, I think we're done here. Yep. Probably a show for today. Probably a show. Yes. Um, so. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. Um, make sure you tell all your friends about us. Yes. If you're going to be in Atlanta, like, yeah, hit us well, up. Let us know what's up. Yep. I might have fruit snacks for you. Ooh, fruit snacks. Yeah. I'll have a, uh, business card for you there we go business cards there we go (laughs) we can tape them to the fruit snacks (laughs) there we go (laughs) and then we've got all these upcoming shows like Mm -hmm. i said give us some information on what you want to see for for the brawl show for the brawl show uh let us know like i think we've done a couple different formats for Mm -hmm. the like set preview yeah like if there's one of those that you preferred over the other one let us know james like nailing that field of the dead is busted like (laughs) let us know um, I mean, I, d- I did, I did nail that. You did, you did, hundred <laughs> percent. I got Wall of Blossoms and Modern Horizons right. Well, that's true. Yeah, that one was pretty good too. I don't think that's on the same <laughs> level though. Um, but yeah, let us know if there's a format that you preferred, and we yeah. can maybe steer uh, back towards that. Um, I think we've also had some like newer listeners lately, so I'd just like to remind them that we have quite an extensive catalog at this point of we do. shows. You should uh, go back and check out some of the old shows. Yeah. There's some some good nuggets in there. Yeah, some of them are like like current event stuff, but some of them are like basic fundamentals and things like that. Yeah, we try and sprinkle in a bunch of fundamental type stuff. So go yeah. back and check them out. And going forward, like just put on your thinking caps now. Let us know where you want our focus to be in terms of arena. Yeah. Like, do you want us to stay more standard focused or do you want us to do like more historic stuff. Like we could check in on the historic format once a month. Mm-hmm. We could do it more frequently if that's something that you want, but just give us, give us a, a heads up. Cause I think our inclination is to focus on standard yeah. just because like, I think we kind of see ourselves as helping people transition from arena to right. the actual like paper game. At least that's what I think we're doing. Yeah. At least that's the hope. Yeah. And so like, I think like until there's a paper historic, yeah, it's probably not, gonna be a huge focus but if you want us to check in every so often and be like hey this is like i have a feeling that we're gonna check in once in a while especially if uh the leak that i saw last week is accurate what's which was you didn't see what jesse posted up no what was this evidently there's some uh some cards programmed into the client already oh dad's in the list oh oh yeah Grizzle <laughs> brand, huh? Yeah, he's he's nice. he's on the short list. There was like eight cards that somebody found hidden in oh, the program. They like, they like data mined the yeah. the program. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Grizzle Daddy was in there, so there we go. That so is, maybe we'll check in with Historic once in a while. That is a fair magic card. <laughs> if I can draw fourteen cards in a turn and then kill you, like I'm all I'm here for it. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, you can. Hit us up with all your ideas mm-hmm. at uh, Casual Tripod on Twitter. Yep, Casual Tryhard MTG on Facebook. Uh, show at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can email us there. Um, you can find us on YouTube at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can see us at Atlanta this weekend. Yeah. So uh, with that, we'll catch you next week. Yep.
Uh, not at FNM. We'll catch you in Atlanta. We'll catch you in Atlanta.